0: I want to take a minute to talk about maintaining your freedom and building off the experiences that we've had as a church or you've had in your personal life. If you have been set free, received inner healing, had to forgive people, born again, filled with the spirit, baptized in water, experienced God's presence, hear his voice. If you have any, have had any encounters with the living God, which you should every day of your life, the kingdom of God is not built on experiences and logic. It's built or I'm sorry, built on reason and logic, it's built on experiences. You know, hearing God's voice is an experience. It should be happening all the time. Experiencing him in worship and his presence and his power should happen all the time. I don't worship for you to watch me, but if you did watch me, you know what I'm doing? I'm not sitting there trying to figure out something that I got to do next or what I'm going to preach. Sometimes I get downloads from the Lord during worship, but you know what I'm doing I'm aggressively going after the things of the Lord. You know why? Because I've been delivered and set free from so much in my life. How could I sit silently and passively and quietly by when the God of the universe has wrecked my life and turned me upside down, set me free from drugs, alcohol, LSD, mushrooms, sleeping around? I mean, you name it, Grateful Dead, parties, ladies' nights, reggae bands. You just name it, lying, stealing, stealing, chilling, all the things in my past. How could I silently sit by? This isn't dead, quiet religious church. This is a church full of power and life and wonder and freedom. And we're going to talk about that today. And so I really want to challenge all of you and especially everybody that's watching online. If you have had an encounter and an experience with God, there are things that you have to do to maintain that fire in your life. You know, if you build a bonfire on the beach and you leave it alone, what happens to it? It goes out. What does a fire need? It needs wood, it needs fuel, it needs oxygen, it needs stoking. And those are the same things that we need in our hearts and in our life. I'm not any different than you. God's no respecter of persons, but I gave my life to the Lord in 1993, 27 years ago, and I'm more on fire today than I was yesterday or I've ever been in my life. Why? Because I'm aggressive and I'm diligent. I make a decision to do things not a lot of people will do. And I challenge you to do it. I'm not elite, I'm not better, I'm not more anointed. I just pay the price and cultivate what God's given me because I'm so madly in love with him. My identity's not in my career, in my money, in my work, and even in what I do, it's in who I am. So I'm aggressive. You may have noticed, maybe you didn't, but I've been strangely silent during all of the election and over the last week and even since the conference. I've had to take time to process what's happened. I also went to another conference where I spoke for two services there. And I've watched some of what was happening, but I've had to really limit how much news I watch and what I focus my attention on. And so for me, I spend most of my waking moments digging into the Word. I spend most of my waking moments diving into live worship online. You know, at the International House of Prayer, for over 20 years, they've been leading full-time worship 24-7. At night, before I go to bed, I put my headphones on, and and I listen to worship. And I read my Bible, and I make the decision to stay aggressive at all times. You know why? Because... One, most people won't pay that price, and I have to if I'm gonna take us where God wants us to go, and especially my children. Number two, if you lose your edge, you lose your fire. If you lose your dependency, you lose your fire. The enemy in the world system wants you to be comfortable. I can't look at hot chicks on billboards and the commercials and the things on TV because I know how much the enemy wants to trip me up and get me sidetracked, so I focus on my hot wife, not your hot wife, And I, because I know my past. I know where I came from. And I also know that if you give the devil the tip of a fingernail of your finger, he will take miles and miles and miles of your life to drive you back and knock you back at any time. We have to be aggressive. We cannot be silent. God doesn't want Peter Pan pastors and Christians. This isn't a time to be sissy. We're not weak subculture believers. We're strong standard culture believers. That's who we are. Okay. Okay. Now, I hope you get fired up, and I do want to get you hyped up, but it's not about hype. It's about an inward fire that's contagious that you can only cultivate in the private. I want my words to be full of power and to change lives, not to get up here and speak nice things that make you feel good and give you a moment of inspiration. I want to give you a lifetime of revelation. I want you to walk out of here aggressive and more fired up. We are an army, not a subculture of a good old boy club. This is not a good old boy club which means we have to have people coming to this church that are not like you. Do you understand that? The world is hurting and broken and dying, and here we are angry and ticked off and mad and focused on the things of this world and sidetracked and living on the news feed. You can't trust even the news channels you think you loved. You're focused on the newsfeed of earth when God's got a newsfeed from heaven and he constantly wants to speak to you, but you got so much cacophony head noise from the world getting inside your head. You're pissed off, you're mad and you're angry and you're utterly consumed by the affairs of this world. And if you want to maintain what God's done in your life, you're going to have to stoke that fire and fuel it 24 seven. I don't have time to be sidetracked. I don't have time to allow my heart to become passive or to be a, a coward. God didn't make, give you a spirit of timidity. You know what it means to be timid? It means you're a coward. And I'm not a coward. Everybody say that. I'm not a coward. God didn't give me a spirit of timidity. But you can't fake it till you make it. God said to me, it's time for you to play the role, son. But this time you're not going to act. Because I had an encounter in July that killed the acting dynamics of my heart. No more acting. We play the role we put on Christ like an actor would a costume, but this time what you see is what you get. It's real and authentic, and it's real fire. It's not playing a role of an actor. If you're going to maintain what God has done in your life, you have to understand it requires some things. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. This is for every single person watching online or here today. And in a minute, I am going to talk about the election. So prepare yourself. One of the main reasons why I've been silenced, because I don't want to give you my opinion. Opinions are not always based on fact. Truth is based on fact. I don't need more opinions and conspiracy theories. I want to know what God says, and I want to find Jesus in the midst of it all. Is anybody saying, where is Jesus in the midst of it all? Can we find some people that really reflect Jesus? The man Jesus, not ideologies, not good philosophies, not good religious ideas, but the man of Jesus revealed in the midst of a crazy dark world. Am I the only one? Everybody say, tag, I'm it. But some of y'all ain't acting like it. You're acting just like the world, and I'm not seeing any Jesus. You got good words, but no power. And what you're saying may be right, but it's not righteous. I'm smiling. I love you, and I'm intense because it's a time to be intense, but to love really well. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 9, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. We lay hands on people in this church. Not all the time, and with COVID, we haven't done a lot of altar calls. But if you've had somebody pray for you, prophesy over you, lay hands on you, if you've had an encounter and an experience with God in any way, shape, or form, you're to fan into flame what's been put inside of you. What does it mean to fan into flame? To fan into flame, another, many other versions say, stir up the gift that's inside of you. To stir it up means to re-enkindle your mind right here. Because my mind and my intellect is always saying things to me that are contrary to what God says. That's why when you get born again, you get a new mind. It's called the mind of Christ. And if I don't fuel the fire and rekindle and fan into flame, breathe life, fan into flame my mind, it produces strength, it produces courage, and it reignites what's inside of me. The devil's always working to steal the gift of God inside of you. And he wants you to be doled down, dumbed down, quiet. It doesn't take all that. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. That's why I pray in tongues a lot. And I make no apologies for it. This is a tongue-talking, demon-busting, laying on a hands, mighty army, on a mission. We're not a good old boy social club. And good teaching, good preaching doesn't change a life. I may inspire you, and you may see that I'm pretty fired up today, and I hope you get fired up. But you better do something with it when you walk out of this house today. So you know what I do? I You know why? Because praying in tongues is offensive to your mind. Because you don't understand it. And you say, well, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. You got to grab my mouth, flop my tongue, and blah, blah, blah. And if it isn't God, I'm not going to do it. And God says, you look. You pray in tongues like you pray in the natural. When I pray in the natural, I don't even think what I say. I say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this church and everybody that's here. The callings and the purposes and the families and the sons. Thank you for really, now I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying. Because praying in tongues is, is like the air that I breathe for me. That's why the apostle Paul said, I, I wish I prayed in tongues more than all y'all. And I'm not talking 35 seconds, one minute, or even five minutes, because at about the 45-second mark, your mind's going, okay, that's enough praying in tongues. Let's get back to thinking about all that other stuff we think about. But at about the five-minute mark, something reignites inside of you. Set your watches, set your timers, and makai. And if you don't pray in tongues, you should desire to. This isn't an elite gift for some. I make no apologies for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be persecuted for a lot of things. If I'm going to be persecuted, persecute me for being on fire. We're not a cessationist church. We believe in the power of God. Because you know how we're going to pull out drug addicts and prostitutes? Not with nice, happy-go-lucky church services. You know how we're going to get prostitutes and dancers and strippers? We have an anointing for strippers in this church. I'm going to tell you right now. And if you know somebody that dances, invite them to Rock City because there's a whole bunch of y'all here. Come on. I'm not kidding. And it's awesome. Yeah. I'd I drive by Cheeta and say, Jesus, pull them out and bring them to Rock City. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope they sit right next to you in their little mini skirts. Yeah. And if you're a single guy and you're checking them out, you got a problem, you better come talk to me so we can get some deliverance. Because when God brings girls in here that are hurting and broken and hot and desperate for community, and you're the single guy in here thinking, i had to check them out and hook up with them, and you hook up with them, and it's the dad of this house, I'm going to kick your crack. And I'm just telling you right now. And that's not a religious thing. Yeah. I've been wanting to say that for so long. I'm just telling you right now. There's a harvest coming, and the people coming in don't look like you, act like you, sound like you, but they were like you. You're dissing online. You need to stop doing what you're doing because God wants to save them, not push them away. You have to fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you. The weapons of your warfare, Hebrews 10, 4, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and vain imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And every single thing trying to exalt itself in your mind against the knowledge of God. From the news to your own flesh and your own soul, every day you have to be aggressive and fan into flame the gift of God that's inside of you.
1: And I'm just going to say this because I just said it. I'm going to make a statement to every one of you. And I'm saying it to me too. This isn't just
0: me against you. It's me too. Every day I need the word of God and the sword of the spirit to circumcise my heart every single day, all the time. There's a reason why God had Men get circumcised in the Old Testament because you want to know the correlation between your penis and your heart. You
1: want to know? <laughs> I know y'all, I said that. Maybe not your girls, but the boys. You want
0: to know? They both have reproductive power. And if you don't have your heart circumcised, guess what's gonna rule your life? Oh, don't, I'm not kidding. This is for everybody. Men and women need their heart circumcised all the time. I don't have time to play around with you know what. I'm married, I love my wife, I keep my heart circumcised because I gotta reproduce sons and daughters. That's why pornography is so prevalent today because when our hearts are not flamed on with a passion for the king and our hearts aren't circumcised, guess what we're running to? It's a wrong garden of pleasure and delight. So men, keep your hands out of your pants and out of her pants too. And if you are, Come get some healing because we'll love you through it. I care about you. Because I was that guy too. The Spirit of God, verse 7 For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self discipline. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or me of his prisoner. When you're timid, you're ashamed. When you have power, love, and a sound mind, it makes you self-discipline. In fact, many versions of the Bible say sound mind, but some say self-discipline. Sound mind and self-discipline go hand in hand. The Bible says a man or woman without discipline is like a city with broken down walls. It's like living with the front door of your house kicked in and then sleeping that way all night long. And you don't want to sleep with your front door kicked in in Corpus Christi, especially Flower Bluff. Because you never know who's going to walk in your house. So self-discipline and a sound mind go hand in hand. And if I don't have God's word coursing through my veins, his voice, if I'm not living in a position of worship and aggressiveness, my mind will go crazy. I'll be consumed by the things in the affairs of this world. I'll be consumed by what other people think. I'll live in constant fear and timidity. It's how the enemy wants you to live, but God's given you something better. Let's say that God gave, God gave me something better. It's full of power, it's full of love and a sound mind. Now, watch this. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me of his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel, but by the power of God. If you're gonna suffer, which you will, let's everybody say, I'm gonna suffer. Amen. This church has already been called a cult. People walking, where's the snakes around here? What's the snakes? I said, there ain't no snake slithering around, but that one inside your heart we're gonna deal with, come out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. People walk and say, man, you pray in tongues, you go to that church? Yeah, I go to that church. It's a church full of power and full of life. It's who you are, it's what you are. And what you say, what you post. I taught you guys how you speak blesses a city or curses a city. How you live exalts a nation or tears down a nation. We have no right calling out all these other people when we have it in our own hearts. And I'm gonna show it to you in a little bit where Jesus came and didn't even impute their sins against them. And yet we're putting guilt and condemnation on people that don't think like you. There's a better way. Let's say that. There's a better way. And I try to show you that better way. 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm asking you to imitate me. And if you don't like me, there's 350 other churches in this town. Find one you like. I don't want you to go anywhere, but you don't get to pick your church. If I'm not imitating Christ, don't imitate me. If I'm not a father, loving as a father, I'm having fatherly conversations today. I already know people aren't gonna lie. I took a huge chance on standing up for my convictions and who I supported and I didn't cram it down your throat and I didn't tell you who you needed to vote for but I showed you from a biblical standard what I believed was right and upright and then I let you be spirit led by it. That's because I love you. I love people that don't think like me. Ta-da! Welcome to the kingdom of God and being like Jesus. People aren't going to like you. People are going to leave you. People walked out. I took a chance. I got hate emails. But if you don't know my heart, then you're not going to listen to what I say. You should know my heart. I have to stand up for what I believe in and the convictions from a moral standpoint. But I'm on a much greater mission, and you should be too. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. So some of you got demons straight up cast out out of you and you were wriggling, writhing and shouting and screaming. And it's like, oh, did that really happen? And the devil comes along and lies and tries to rob what's happened inside of your life. And what I do is I shout it from the rooftops. Hey guys, I spent a year in prison. I used to sell cocaine by the pounds, kilos. I did more acid, sold more acid to teenagers, and I hate that I did those things, but I don't live in regret because I've been redeemed. My testimony now enables me to set the captives free, and I boldly declare it. I was a new ager, psychic reader, palm reader, crystal meditator, drug doer, fornicator. I did all the worst of the worst things. And I boldly tell my testimony because I'm not ashamed. And it's literally what Jesus has done in my life. So when things happen to you, you need to tell it. You need to share with it. You need to find people that have had similar experiences. It's the beauty of Rock City is all those things are normal here. You're not crazy if you see things in the spirit and have wild dreams and angels and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my It's now normal because it's biblically normal. You're probably the only normal thing your coworkers and a lot of your family members see and they think you're abnormal, but show them what normal looks like even more. So we're not ashamed. God's building a testimony in your life. Join with me in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to do what? To live a holy life. He's called us to live a holy life. Righteous position requires righteous living. And when you blow it and bomb it, you have an advocate. Pick yourself up, stop giving up and running away and hiding in shame. I bombed it a thousand times as a Christian, thousands. But I learned from my mistakes and my failures, and I picked myself up, and I dove into the word, and I never gave up. Stop letting the person next to you offend you or something I say and getting upset. As soon as I start to say something you don't like, I'm like, go find another church. Then we visit churches like fast food restaurants. We need family. We need fathers. We need mothers. We need brothers. We need sisters. We need a body. And you can't do that if you're hopping churches all around town. Find one and be spirit led. You don't even get to pick your church. God tells you where you're supposed to go and he'll often call you to a place you're uncomfortable. He called us to live a holy life. And guess what? It's not because of anything you've done. Stop giving yourself all these credits and accolades. You're not that good. In fact, you're not even, that, you're not even good at all. The heart's deceitfully wicked. Let's just own up to it. You don't want to know some of the stuff I think about some of y'all. No, not you but I confess those things. Nine weeks of confessing. I mean, I don't know what else to do. It's like, you know what? Now I'm aware. I'm woke, woke, and I start dealing with the stuff in my heart and repenting because I realize that I can't harbor those things inside me anymore. It's not because of anything you did, but because of his own purpose and empowering grace. This grace was given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. So you gotta keep fanning into flame. You gotta break the spirit of timidity We're not cowards, I'm not a coward, but I have huge monstrous fish to fry, nations, so do you. But we gotta start with our own backyard, Flower Bluff, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen, Senton, Rockport, Port Aransas. Every community around here is in desperate need for Christ. And with everything that's going on, I mean, it's like, yeah, the battle lines have been drawn. Oh, the battle lines have been drawn. They've been drawn for a long time. The contrast is just more prevalent than it's ever been. The difference between light and dark. Let's everybody say, I am, I am the light, the light of, the world. of the world. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. He's given you something so much better. Don't be ashamed. Join in the suffering. And pray in the spirit and worship, spend time in the word, get good friends around you that'll lift you up and prophesy life over you, that can measure you when you screw up, but they do it with love, forgiveness, grace, kindness, gentleness. You're being consoled by Christ. You have... You know, the Bible says in Philippians 2, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, and if you look up the word fellowship, it literally means I'm a friend with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not a theory, it's a man. And he lives inside you when you're born again. So now you're not alone. You have the comfort and the power and the personality of a man living inside of you. And when you are a friend of the Holy Spirit, you're unstoppable. It doesn't matter what anybody says about me. It doesn't matter who spins out or goes sideways or what happens in the world around me. Though the world all around you is sinking sand, on Christ, the solid rock, you stand. And David said in Psalm 16, I've set the Lord always before me and because he's at my hand of strength, I will not be shaken. And some of you are really shaken right now. Apathy, anger, hatred, lies, rejection, nasty Facebook posts, division, friends hating friends, family hating family, all over a political affiliation and who won the White House. If I live till I'm 90, I will vote in 10 more elections. 10. If my children live until they're 90, they will vote in 18 elections all the way to 2,092. Isn't that crazy to think about? That's not counting my grandchildren. How you live, how you love, how you represent, what you say, what you put into motion leaves legacy. And we're putting things into motion at Rock City Church. This is an incredible thing we have. It's not about me. It's decentralized leadership. But what God has given us and what God's put inside of you is a beautiful thing wherever you go, whether it's Tampa, whether it's to California, whether God calls you to New York, which would be like crazy. But you know what? There's on fire Christians in every area of this world. And darkness needs light. Darkness needs light. Light. So maintain it, make it stronger, get more. You got delivered, man, there's more. Your life is like a blooming onion. And guess what? At 50, I had the most life-changing, peeling back of the onion in my life that I've ever had. No, actually, I wasn't 50, I was 49. It was in July. But this year, 2020, as hard as it's been, it's been one of the best years of my life. And the darker it gets and the crazier it gets, the more aggressive you get, the more on fire you should become. We're not abating. If your strength fails in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Proverbs 24. The devil wants you to abate, just it doesn't take all that. You watch what God does. He's gonna draw the dividing lines in his church. And it's not going to be based on political affiliations. It's going to be based on who's really representing the king and who's not. Right, yeah. right, right. And anybody that's in it for the wrong reasons and not moving in power and only has nice wisdom of man and excellency of speech, God's going to flip him or he's going to change them out. The world seems to get darker, more divisive and more demonic. But guess what God does with his church? Louder, lighter, brighter, more fire. I'm so excited. And yeah, I mean, things have been hard for me. So let's talk about the election. I vote biblical policy, not personality or based on personal preferences. I vote based on what my own personal convictions are and what I believe the Holy Spirit leads me to do according to God's word. I did my best to research the candidates and provide voter guides to each and every one of you. I did my best to educate you on who I believed the best presidential candidate was. I also taught you how we live and speak through righteousness, blesses cities, and exalts nations. I made a few very clear posts on my social media of who I was voting for without bashing anyone who thought opposite of me. Never once did I tell you as your pastor who you should vote for or shouldn't vote for, but rather I did my best to lead you through insight and understanding on how we as Christians should vote. In the end, the candidate I voted for seems to not have won. It seems to not have won. And yes, I have many thoughts and theories concerning why. I do believe there's a demonic agenda that requires us as believers to engage and fight for the lives of people and the soul of our nation. And that demonic spirit is working on overtime with an agenda to kill, steal, and destroy. It's always been the enemy's agenda. Of course, he's gonna work it in politics, okay? At the same time, I have an eternal perspective on world events and see things with vision by the voice of God on a daily basis, and you should do eternity starts now the bible makes it explicitly clear earth is not your home i'm going to do all i can to affect change but we are kings and priests and sojourners we're pilgrims passing through ultimately headed to eternity with a king yes. and if anything eternity and an eternal perspective should be more alive and more awoke inside your hearts today If you don't have an eternal perspective, you'll only live for the moment and you won't have vision to see the future. I will vote in a lot more elections. I will teach this church and teach my kids the beauty of this great nation, how it was founded and what it means to stand up for biblical rights and freedoms.
1: And though to me, I will love more. For God's truth, it automatically becomes offensive to some people. I got a news
0: flash for some of you. People are not going to like you. The faster you can realize that, the better. You got to stop trying to please everybody and be worried about what everybody thinks. The more on fire you become and the more
1: passionate you become, just stand in a pole. the stuff we get divided over
0: you by your righteous living will inevitably become a fragrance everybody say "I'm i'm a fragrance i either smell really good or i smell really bad i know i smell good but i don't always smell good to those that are dying and perishing To some people, I'm a fragrance of death. But to someone else who's hurting and broken without hope and without life, guess what you become? To the person you least expect it. Mark my words. The one you never, ever,
1: ever, ever thought would give their life to Jesus. To change their life.
0: We have to have an eternal perspective. We have to be a good soldier and not entangling yourself with the affairs of this world. 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. What makes a good soldier? We endure hardship. We endure hardship because our eyes are on the prize and our eyes are on Jesus and I'm not caught up with the cares of this world. I can only watch any news for about a whole three to four minutes. I look at the headlines. I do a quick recap so I know what's going on and how to pray, and I'm off. Even Facebook, in a lot of ways, has become a disdain. I'll still use it. I'll still get on it, and I'll still celebrate when great things happen in your life. But Facebook's not my fighting platform. Why should I expect Facebook to conform to the things I expect it to conform when it's run by people that don't think the way I do? So, what God means, what the enemy means for harm, God will turn and use for good, like the internet. There'd be no internet if it wasn't for God. The devil may have wiles and tricks up his sleeve, but trust me, God's got way more. The devil does not stand a chance, he's already defeated. We just need a church to rise up and take their position. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What's happening with some of us? Angry and mad and weak and passive. Consumed by the cares of this world, we're entangled. Your prayer should be God, unentangle me. We're engaged in warfare, so we have to get unentangled with the affairs of this life. People who haven't been and never will be, people haven't been and never will be our true enemy. Not Satanists, not atheists, not LGBTQ, those who are pro-choice, pro-gay marriage, gay couples that visit this church, which there are, by the way, transgender, Democrats, politicians, none of them are our enemies And if I don't love really well, they'll never know the king the way that I do or you do. God's strategy is totally different than the world's strategy. Though other Christians, oh, by the way, side note, I'm gonna just go on this tangent. We had a a guy visit our church some time ago. I won't tell you, he's he's a part of a, a organization that is really a cult. And he visited, and boy, when he came up to meet me, he just, man, he was mad at me. I don't even know about what. We got online, we did our live feed. He got on, and he, he got on the live feed and started posting how, how this church is full of homosexuals and I, I allow gay couples to come to this church and all I ever do is preach on money and coffee. <laughs> and I thought... Well, money and coffee are pretty important to my life. I mean, those are two pretty good things. But y'all know me. I, I, I talk about it, but I, ne- I don't even teach on it very often. I just tell you the best coffee in the world and where to get it. I mean, that's all I'm saying. But my point is, is that he started bashing. And it blows my mind to think, That if a gay couple walked in this church and sat down next to you, that people would automatically make an assumption I'm okay with their lifestyle. But what you need to know is that I love them to no end. And the better we love and the more we reflect reflect Christ, the more he will bring the people that you have hated. And you know why Jesus hasn't come back yet in case you forgot? Because the ones you hate, he's waiting for them to get saved. He's not come back because those, he doesn't want anybody to perish. And if they can't come here and find life, where are they going to go? Am I right? So when they walk in, man, high five, give them a hug, tell them how glad you are they're here. We're not homophobic in this church. We love Jesus and we love every single person that comes in here. We don't compromise. I'm not reconciling darkness to light. I reconcile people to Jesus. We're in the ministry of reconciliation. You're never gonna be able to be equally yoked with darkness, So the way you get equally yoked with that person you love that's in darkness is you reconcile them to him. That's the only reason why we're friends right now. It's the only reason why I'm here. You know, we got a guy that has come to this church. His life's been really touched. He moved to Dallas. He's a major with DPS over 42 counties overseeing all criminal investigation, including human trafficking, drug dealing, works with the DEA and the FBI. This guy is a big, just total, like hardcore law enforcement guy. He hears that I'm going to Dallas for the men's conference. Says, Hey, I'd love to hang out with you. So on my way to Dallas, um, before I flew out, I called him. I said, hey, why don't you pick me up from the airport? And when I landed, I had this crazy thought that if it wasn't for Jesus, the guy would be taking me to jail not a men's conference. And then I get out and I'm walking out the terminal and he's in an undercover car and he flashes his lights and I smile ear to ear and I'm going, this is a crazy situation. Only God. But God does the impossible. This guy needs Jesus as much as I do. Now he's taking me to a men's conference instead of prison. And the very real reality is, is if I didn't know Jesus, we would not be friends. (laughs) Do you understand? God does stuff that'll blow your mind. And here we are, doom and gloom, and the the world's going to hell in a handbath. It's been going to hell in a handbath for a long time. That's why Jesus came. Other Christians, they can be the worst misrepresentation. They make, Christians can make it the hardest for me to do what I wanna do. Please don't be them if you're a part of this church. What you pose, you're a part of this church and what you, one minute man rocks it, I got some, next minute I hate all you baby killers and you do this, next minute, oh man, you need to come to my church and all those people are saying, I will never step foot in that church if you're there. Yeah. I'm not okay with it. I'm not here to have a nice social club and a pretty church and grow a nice big country club. I got way better things I could do. I could drink coffee at sunset and work my coffee shops and not be in ministry. That would be a lot easier. But I have a call on my life, and that call, this isn't a fun little thing. I'm having a blast because I'm doing what I'm called to do, but we are on a mission times are more serious than they've ever been we need to be more sober-minded than we've ever been this isn't time to be getting drunk and getting wasted and tripped out and fluffed out and all these things. lives are on the line get free and if you need help i'm here we're here don't go it alone stop walking in shame we've been there Though other Christians misrepresent who Jesus truly is and though those people I just mentioned may hate us, slander us, discredit us, call us names, be divisive, we still have to love them, bless them, and pray for them. We're biblically commanded to do so. People aren't your true enemy, but people can act and represent as though they are. They're really being played by a master puppeteer, but you got spiritual scissors to cut the strings and set the captives free. Come on, go, let's cut some master puppeteer strings. Your real enemy is Satan and his dominions and demonic forces in heavenly places, principalities. And yes, he can make people to seem to be your enemy. But at the end of the day, it's demonic, it's a spiritual fight that we're in. We have power over demonic forces, the devil's been defeated. I'm not fighting for victory and I hope we make it to the end. No, I already have the victory. You know why? Because Jesus lives in me and he lives in you. Let's say it. I have the victory. victory. Dude, you got the victory. You're not defined by prison and drugs in your past. You're a son now. Baptized, filled with the spirit, a new creation glowing with the radiance of Christ. Come on, man. Woo. Welcome to the new you the you you were always created to be. If he didn't feel real love and power in this church, he wouldn't have stuck around. He sat and observed and watched and now he surrendered and baptized and filled with the spirit. And if he stays on this course, he'll be the hottest catch around for all you single girls. But you better come talk to me first. That's all I got to say. And you better pray in tongues a lot. Got that? Hey, I don't mind people hooking up in this church, but you better be spirit-filled and on fire because there's girls in this church right now that are waiting for some men to be on fire. This is not the hookup church. We're not the Corinthian church. We're the Ephesus church. Do you understand that? And we haven't forgot our first love. This
1: church was birthed in warfare. I was birthed in prison and in Miami. I have a church and had to fight have a character problem
0: the corinthian church i feel like i'm an ephesus guy living in a corinthian world half the time our mission is to set the captives free not destroy them with the same hatred and manipulation they attempt to use against us Do you understand? God has got a better way. And he showed it to us biblically. Let's look at it. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, Rock City, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Are there wiles of the devil? Does God give you a strategy? He's given you an armor to put on to stand against it. So the answer is put on your armor. And in the armor, you should study the armor of God in Ephesians 6, because every piece has a purpose. Let's say it. Every piece piece has a purpose. purpose. Study it out. I got something covering my mind, the helmet of salvation. I got something covering my heart, the breastplate of righteousness. I got a belt on, and it's full of tools, and it's called the belt of truth. I'm girded up. I got shoes on, ready to preach the gospel wherever I go. Now, I don't tell you half the time because I'm not trying to give accolades to myself, but I'm gonna tell you a funny story. I made it my decision that every single time I catch an
1: Uber all around, only one time did I not reach the driver. I was so sick that I was throwing up and laying in the back seat.
0: I had food poisoning. And so I go to this conference in Dallas and I get up early because I want to find some coffee and something good to eat, and it's a depressing situation if you're traveling right now because most hotels don't have any food and it's dead as a doornail, and I go downstairs and there's nothing good. There's a, we proudly brew Starbucks. I'm like, well, I'm proudly walking out of (laughs) here. Now, hey, hey, if you work at Starbucks, listen, don't get offended. I wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for Starbucks, and they're a good second best. I'm not kidding. But you know, those We Proudly Brew, they're not even a real Starbucks. I mean, if I'm gonna have one, take me to a real one. And so I'm like, well, shoot, I'm just catching Uber to Sprouts. So I sit down and I go to get on Uber and I'm not feeling very good. My stomach was a little upset and it hits me. If I catch that Uber, I gotta preach to the driver and I was not feeling it. And I'm like, man, man. I don't really
1: want to preach to the driver today. I'm going to be honest. I'm the driver, and here comes Jose from Venezuela. Jose rolls up.
0: I jump in the car and I just start striking up a conversation. Well, Jose speaks like 5% English. I'm not kidding. I'm trying to talk to him. He doesn't understand anything I say. And I said to him, I said, how long have you been? At what? Or I said, what brought you to Dallas? He goes, three years. I said, no, 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 what brought you to Dallas? I've been here three years, he says. And I'm like, why? He goes, he didn't understand. So I'm like, well, this guy doesn't even speak any English. <sighs> I'm not even going to have to preach to him. So I just stayed quiet the whole drive. Now, it was only three miles, so it wasn't that long. So I get to Sprouts, I get my stuff, I'm ready to go back to my hotel, I call up Uber. Guess who I get? I get Jose from Venezuela. I said, I said, you know what? I am not gonna let some language barrier keep me from preaching the gospel to this guy. I grab my iPhone, which has a new update and has a translate app on it. And I start talking to my phone about Jesus and the gospel and holding it in his ear while he's driving. I speak to it in English, it speaks to him in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, do you know Jesus and are you a Christian? I would say it. He just, he didn't even know what I was saying. Then I would, he didn't even know what I was doing. I would speak to the phone and I'd hold it up next to his ear. It was awesome. Do you know Jesus and are you a Christian? I'm having a conversation through my iPhone. And he's shaking his head. And then he grabs his phone and he shows it to me where he had just gotten baptized. And I was like, oh, yes. This guy just surrendered his life to Jesus. So I just say, I don't even have to ask him if I can pray for him. He won't understand what I'm saying anyway. I lay hands on him in the back seat and I start praying over him. The thing is, is we are the light of the world that proclaim the gospel and reconcile people back to God everywhere we go. You want to end abortion? Get people born again. You want to, and start speaking to politicians and building relationships and influencing them. Start gathering and congregating so we can have a greater level of influence together. Pray for your enemies and begin to bless them so that God will give you favor and open the doors to influence their lives sure I make my voice heard sure I vote right sure I teach my children sure I do my best to lovingly influence you without telling you exactly what you should do in hopes that you would make good choices and good decisions so we put on the armor of God verse 12 because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I want you to take up the whole armor of God so that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So you know what? I've done all. Guess who's still standing? And all along the way, I stumbled and I fell many times, but I picked myself back up, put the armor on, and I'm still standing. Can you relate?
1: That's right. The only offensive strategy that God has given you in the armor of God is not the sword. Coupled his
0: written word. Because some people are using the written word from a religious standpoint with no power, and no life and no spirit. That's that old, you know, great religious grandma that came from the Pentecostal Holy Church that didn't wear makeup and only wore dresses that beat you up with the word of God when you were growing up. That didn't produce life. We need people that know the word and hear God's voice so that when you speak prophetically, it pierces to the heart of men and reveals and discerns the thoughts and lays all things bare with love. It's how we fight. It's how I'm preaching right now. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you you by praying for them. How many of you die-hard Republicans have been praying for Joe Biden? I'm not raising my hand either, but you know what? That's changing because God's dealing with my heart and all those people that maybe you didn't like and those things going on and all those people that we, how about start praying for them and loving them and blessing them that's how God's dealing, And I did not pray for him because I hate the guy. I didn't, for eight years when Barack Obama was president, I wouldn't stand up for calling him the Antichrist, hating him, you know. There were a lot of policies and things that he implemented that I didn't like. There's stuff that President Trump did that I didn't like. And at the end of the day, I really thought that he was God's guy, but I know God has a purpose in the midst of it all. And at the end of the day, life goes on with power and love and freedom, and you make your voice more confident
1: and bolder and love better than you loved before. And be more aggressive spiritually. Your own identity as
0: children of your heavenly Father. So, how we love, how we bless, how we pray, reveals who you really are. Yes. Who are you? Right. We're sons and daughters of the Living God. We're children of God, right. and He's our heavenly Father. He's kind to all. He's kind to all. It blows my mind. If I was Jesus, I would have done come back already. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? I mean, there's horrible things, the pedophiles and what's happening to children. Of course, abortion and all these things that I hate with the power. Man, I would have done long come back a long time ago. (laughs) Right? It breaks my heart to see what, especially when it comes to children. I mean, you want to really... Man, that's when nothing gets me as, as angry or fired
1: up as injustices to children. Right? And how are they going to come to know him? Say,
0: tag, I'm in. It. It's time for you to get fired up because God's got a call for your life. And it's not being consumed with the affairs of this world. You're gonna use everything God's given to you, your beauty and your
1: talent and all those guys that come checking you out and think, man, you're so high. You say, well, why don't you come to my church? And if they do life, then they need.
0: He's kind to all, bringing the sunrise to the warm, sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Doesn't even the ungodly do that? Yes, they do. Here's what they do. They love their own and they hate you. That's what they do. Guess what we do? We love our own and we love them. We don't repay them hatred. They may... Look, we're gonna already be called all kinds of names. Just flame on, you're gonna be persecuted. Get spirit filled, start praying in tongues and casting out some demons. Oh, you better be ready. Everybody has a cross to bear and the cross isn't just not sinning. The cross is representing and reflecting and persecution coming just like it did to Jesus and you lay your life down no matter what. That's what it means. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you're to be perfect like him. God requires perfect love in every single thing that you do. Oh, there's Christians that start that came out and they were anti-Trump and they were they people's books that we have big-time spiritual leaders. Many of them came out and they were like they were like pro-Biden,
1: anti-Trump. That's my flesh for a moment. I'm not a mean, nasty guy, and I would never
0: do that. There's people, though, that are doing that. What should we do better? Reflect Christ, love better, be the light of the world, be full of power, be aggressive, be
1: in love, show Jesus really. But you know what God says about that? He's hanging on a cross, and he says,
0: forgive them, for they know forgive them for they know. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also, uh, I, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's everyone. All will know by your love. As true Christians, we have a responsibility to save the lost, not make them our enemies though they may treat us terribly and truly become an enemy of God, he has something to say about that. Here's what he says. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Try to get even. Never. In every area of your life, never hold a grudge. You don't ever have to get even with somebody. But plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others, even when they do you wrong. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Do your best. They may reject you and your friendship. They rejected Jesus. And I know it hurts, but Jesus was hurt. How did Jesus respond? Stabbed in the back by the ones you love the most, and you're so hurt and so bitter and so unforgiving and so mad. If Jesus can do it and he's inside of you, you can do it, and we can help you through it. And look, if you're bitter and you're angry and you're hurt, And you need to forgive and somebody's done you wrong, come and see Marlene, myself, Dawn, or Aunt Jeremy, or any leader here. We're experts in leading people through forgiveness. Forgiveness is the golden key. People are divided by race. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen or heard. It's completely idiotic. It's so completely demonic. But everybody say, tag, I'm it. We reconcile people to God and to one another. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous judgment. Justice. For the scriptures say, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you. And let me just tell you, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He's a consuming fire. I would much rather have God do the justice work than myself. I'll make my voice heard. I'll stand for justice. I'll stand for the voiceless. And I will still continue to vote and stand for the positions that I believe God has called me to stand for. I am not a silent pastor, nor is this a political church. We are a kingdom church involved in transforming the political landscape. Separation of church and state is the most misunderstood jacked up thing in the world system around us What that means is the political system should not in any way try to tell me what I can and can't do At the end of the day We could have opened church during the first shutdown And I would have been defiant and I could have done it and got arrested and I didn't care But God had a better way during that time And when we reopened I made the decision that we're not stopping and we're not shutting back down Even now what's happening even what comes down the line I draw, and there's still churches today that are shut down and not opening. Children have fallen to the wayside, families have fallen to the wayside, domestic violence, pornography, abuse, it's all on the rise in the world. But it shouldn't be in the church. Do you understand? We're the kingdom standard, not a subculture. Don't be obsessed with taking. If your enemy's hungry, verse 20, buy him lunch. Win him over how? With kindness. For your surprising generosity, it surprises them. Wait, I've treated you like crap, and you're being nice to or did. Guess what? I'm gonna love you even better. Hey, bro, I know you don't like me, which is a spiritual thing. It's not you, it's the Jesus in you. But you
1: know what? I'm gonna show you love. You get out here for you whenever you need me. But you know what we often do? We re- myself.
0: Look at verse 21. Oh, I'm sorry, let's finish this. Your surprising generosity will awaken, his, will awaken the other person's conscience and God will reward you with favor. You having problems in your marriage? I'll tell you what. Why don't you die and become a lot more like Jesus and start loving your spouse better so that God can do what he does best in them? Because the more you're angry and ticked off and unforgiving and silent treatments and allowing witchcraft to get in your marriage, the less you're allowing God to work on your spouse. Come on. And it's not easy sometimes because I, I want to manifest. <laughs> and I do manifest. Less and less. Just so y'all know, my manifest is silent treatment. I don't cuss and yell but you know what? That's just as bad as the other. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I am mad at you. I'm gonna talk to you for two days. Don't even talk to me. That's bad. No, no, no. It's been a while, but I'm just saying. I'm just telling them, I I did that for nine straight weeks. Come on, we all got stuff we're working through. I'm not high and mighty spiritual Superman. I gotta put my pants on and read my Bible the same way you do. Look at this. God rewards you when you act godly. Verse 21, meditate on that for a moment. Never, ever, 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 never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil. And you know what the world's gonna say? You're weak. They're gonna say, you're passive. People see love, man, just gonna love better as a weakness. You're not a man's man. Let me tell you, I own guns, I'm just buying an AR and I make no apologies about it. I like guns, I like my freedom, I'm proud to be an American, I stand up boldly, I pour lattes, I pour rosette and lattes and I wear, I wear Tom's shoes at times. That doesn't make me any less of a man. And when my wife says, put those skinny jeans on, I'm like, come on, baby. I'll put them on just for you. <laughs> Jeremy's like, not me. I don't... Wait a minute. You don't even have socks on. What are you talking about? <laughs> In comparison to that, what Jesus went through and suffered and especially what our brothers and sisters are suffering around the world. China, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Uganda, Pakistan. Christians are being killed. I don't know, every couple hours a Christian dies for their faith. Bibles are illegal and we think, oh man, this is so hard in America. None of us have it that hard. In fact, God in his kindness and mercy has had grace and we said, well, this, nation's, this nation is, is doomed for destruction. Let me tell you, there's a remnant in this nation and this nation belongs to Jesus. And I'm not a doom and gloom pastor. If I was, let's just push the button. Let's just push the button now. I wish we could just play the song, push the button. Am I right? Jesus, God, just rapture us all away, God. Just rapture us all the I'm longing for Jesus to come back, but until he does, we got a work to do. Yes. Will I continue taking a stand at all costs no matter what persecution comes my way? Yes. Even at the risk of losing friends and family or even this church? Yes. But if we're going to take a stand, how should we do it? The same way Jesus did and the same way he told us to do it. We're gonna live louder, love better, bless more, preach more, be more aggressive spiritually, save people, fill people with the spirit of God, cast out demons, set the captives free, open blind eyes and deaf ears and be anointed for a purpose. Yeah. Second Corinthians 5, since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to do what? To persuade others to turn to him. That's my passion. I mean, my passion is first intimacy with the Lord. I love my family. I love him. I love worship. But I'm passing that on to your kids. I don't need more kids with good careers that make a lot of money. I want kids in careers, whether it's politics or whether it's in law enforcement or whether it's in mission, the mission field. I don't care where it is. And the American dream, pursuing Jesus's dream. So my ambition is to persuade people. But the question is, are you persuasive? Because some of the things that I'm saying I would never persuade. If I was an unbeliever and I didn't think the way you thought and I saw some of the posts that I see, I would be like, if that's the way Jesus is, typical same old thing, I'm out. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. God made all things new and reconciled us to himself and he's given us the ministry of what? You know what it means to reconcile? It means to restore friendly relations. It means to bring back into a spirit of harmony. It means that now when I was separated, I'm brought back to. It's love without hooks. It's me bringing people to him. If you want to see the nation shift and people shift, this shift, then you words. It was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. There it is. He wasn't imputing the sins back to the people. He took them on himself. But some of us are imputing the transgressions back on people and we're not gonna win them like that. Now I'm against the spirit of the age. I'm against ungodly systems and I don't make any qualms, but I love the people and wanna pull them out of it. He's entrusted to you the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. Everybody say, I'm gonna open the door. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador. Verse 20. Of the anointing. You know what an ambassador is? It's a delegate, it's a delegate that has full power and authority to represent the one in whom sent them. That's you. That's you. You have full authority to represent the king, whether people like it or not. You know who you are, you know what he's done, you know who's inside of you. So you have a ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ. We carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. God's got to plead through his people. Come back to Jesus. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. We cry out. Come on, sons and daughters. Come on, beloved. Come on, church. Come on, Flower Bluff. Come on, Corpus Christi. Come on, United States of America. Be reconciled back to God. Turn back to God. I'm pleading with you. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that he who did not know righteousness might become righteousness of God through union with him. Jesus literally became sin for you. He didn't even know sin. So God said, now I'm gonna put all the sin of the world on him and take it off you. Woo! People are busted with shame, beat down and broke down with hurts and pains. You have the answer. His name is Jesus. Plead with people to I'm gonna plead louder now. I mean, I was loud before. If you thought I was loud before. I'm, more, I'm gonna be louder than ever before. And the harder it gets and the more adversity that comes, guess what? The more fired up we become. You should be fired up right now. You should be excited to be alive right now. We have nothing but hope. I'm gonna leave you with this and then I'm gonna pray for you. I still have five minutes in my mind. If I don't preach for four weeks, you're getting it all when I get back. That's what's happening. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse one through five. Now, everybody say now. It's because God's mercy that we have been entrusted with a privilege. Everybody say, "I I have a privilege of this new covenant ministry and we're not going to quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up in our hearts, that is. We renounce every hidden area of shame. I have no shame. We have no shame. Everybody say, No shame. No shame. So we reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort. You know what happens when you have a shameful cover-up? You resort to trickery or distorting the word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. God's always watching. He watched me with that Uber driver. He knew what was in my heart and he spoke to me. He's like, you're gonna let a language barrier, hold, you're gonna let how you feel hold you back? I'm like, no, I'm gonna get my phone and get that translate out. Instead, we open our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience. Verse three, even if our gospel message is veiled, it's only veiled to those who are perishing. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the dayspring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who's the divine image of God. People need to see Jesus, the man, not the religious principle. Jesus is a man. We need to introduce people to him. And if people don't see him, why wouldn't they? They're blinded by who? The God of this age. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the lordship of Jesus Christ. For we are your servants for Jesus' sake. We must not lose heart or let our love grow cold. We must stop hating our enemies and persecuting those who persecute us. There's a better way. We're sheep among wolves. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. I'm sheep to Jesus, but not sheep to the world. Right? We're harmless as doves, but we're wise as serpents. We reconcile people by removing demonic blinders. We'll never be reconciled to others properly without reconciling, without reconciliation to Jesus first. We're not nice, passive Christians. I can be nice, but a better word is be kind. A lot of times, being nice is fake. We don't reconcile with darkness. We reconcile light with light. We have our eyes on Jesus. Our ears are open to his voice. We're led by his spirit, and we represent as true sons and daughters. That's what I have to say. And I'm excited. I'm excited for you, I'm excited for us. And I mean, I don't like a lot of things that are happening in our nation. But you know what? For such a time as this. Can you see it? Please see it. For such a time as this. Let's say it. For such a time as this. I was born. Before I release you. Jesus, I thank you for every single person here. I thank you for their lives. The witness, the light, the reflection, the love, the power. I thank you, Lord God, that you're still on the throne and when the nations rage and plot a vain thing, you hold them in derision and you even laugh at the thought that anything could assault the Lordship of Christ. Lord, you've given us a ministry of reconciliation and I pray that we would plead boldly, tenderly and
1: lovingly with the world to come back to Jesus.